0: Dude, these are rock hard. These well, are rock t- hard. Try the second level.
1: He, he gave us stale croissants. They're he not stale. stale. They're, had, dude, had, Linda, they're Linda,
0: stale. Linda had them in the fridge. Not stale.
1: They're hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a sound a croissant's supposed to make. Dale, okay, well, Next time you bring goodies. All right. <laughs>
2: This is the AT Banter Podcast. A balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minnell, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
1: hey and welcome to another episode of at banter 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 you notice i gave that pregnant pause there (laughs) dramatic pause we're getting good at this podcasting thing you think so yeah i think so it's i don't know we're 130 plus episodes in now well you think we've figured something out by now taking it to the next level uh my name is robin see taking it to the next level and i forgot to do introductions Really? Yeah. Our, you know, our first two shows of the year, I, I did notice that. I completely forgot to do introductions. Just We just went straight into things. No one knew who the hell we were, I'm sure. <laughs>
2: hmm.
1: We're out of practice. Uh, no, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Howdy. And Mr. Steve Barkley. Good day. Eh? And uh, yeah, here we are on a fine, fine chilly but beautiful vancouver sunny morning
2: yeah let's get this over with so we can get back out there (laughs) uh how was your weekend short
1: Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Excellent. All right, that's uh small talk over. <laughs> uh, oh. I hope I hope no one wanted any banter
2: in, in the AT, AT banter, banter now podcast. with 50% less banter. That's right.
1: That's right. It's our new
2: jingle. It's the diet banter program.
1: Uh, we'll
0: have to work uh, on that jingle. 80 <laughs> banter now with 50% less banter.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, Steve, I'm busy the rest of the day. Okie dokie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess if that's what we have for banter, then let's, uh, let's just get straight to some news.
2: Yeah. So this is, this is the, uh, story that I sent out, uh, I think yesterday, um, about a uh, this is terrible senior who was beaten up uh, while taking uh, transit for the elderly and disabled in uh, is it Ottawa?
1: I think it's Montreal. Montreal. Oh man, there's so, a picture of her. Yeah, it's no really not yeah. Yeah,
2: she good. she got hammered. Um, the yeah, she was basically a ninety two year old woman taking you know accessible transit service.
1: So is that like uh, is that like the handy dart that we have here in Vancouver? Yeah, yeah, probably. exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, so she gets on and the bus driver tells her not to talk to the guy beside her. Okay, I guess he had a history. Uh, so she sat down, and she wasn't talking to the guy beside her. And he just jumped her and started beating the crap oh, out geez. of her. Now, what do they know about the guy that did this? It was—I mean, obviously, he's got issues, but um, they know. I know he wasn't charged because he has some sort of intellectual disability. They—they hmm. they knew that this guy was a problem. They knew that he was potentially violent. What on earth was he doing on that service yeah. in the first place?
1: Yeah, no kidding. You know, uh,
2: there, there, there should be. You know, certain, certain things that preclude you being able to use a service like that and, you know, uh, the uh, likelihood of jumping a 92-year-old and beating the tar out of her um, is probably one of those things that, you know, should probably strike you off the list. Mm, yep.
1: Well, you would think so. I mean, uh, and obviously, you know, the driver did specifically tell her that he was dangerous. Um, yet, you know, he sat her beside him all, you know, all the same. Yeah. Um, did the
0: driver try to intervene at all? Or is he just, he just,
1: I'm sure he, I mean, it doesn't really say, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure he obviously did something, but I mean, at the same time, you know, he's got to stop mm-hmm, yeah. the bus and pull over and then, you know, by then it's, you know, it's, it's too late. I'm sure. I don't know. What do you, what do you do as a, as a transit service when you have somebody who is eligible for the service, but yet is maybe deemed, you know, quote dangerous, put,
0: put him in a cab. That or if you know you're going to be doing a pickup for somebody like that, you have a security guard on. Yeah. yeah. Potentially. Because yeah. You know, yeah. the driver, like you say, isn't going to have time to you know, stop, pull over, intervene. He, you know, he may be too busy.
2: So. Yeah. Yeah. But clearly that passenger should be traveling alone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. not with other people. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess the problem at the core of this is that they have limited funds. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not necessarily realistic for them to make completely separate... Um, runs f- for certain people, and, and you know than others. I mean, at some at some point, right? Am I right, or you are looking at me like I might be crazy?
2: Uh, yeah, I think you are crazy. I think. Really? Okay. I think well, for me- for somebody like this, absolutely, it should well, be a for, separate run. Uh, well, I think yeah. so.
1: I, I think so. But at the same time, like, how do you, but how do you juggle that? You know, given the budget that we've
2: given them, it, it's got to fit within the budget. I mean, it's 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 got to be done from a safety first perspective. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, he, he could have killed this lady. That's
1: true. Yeah, that's true. I know it would be a, a completely different conversation that we'd be having.
2: Yeah. Well, they they, they, were, they were actually in a cab, sorry, not a uh, not a, um, a
1: bus. <clears throat> um, the drivers f- are, aren't really trained in terms of uh, how to deal with aggressive or violent passengers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, these are going to be rare. These, But, I mean, when you're dealing with people with um, developmental disabilities, you know, y- you, there, there has to be some training involved. It, there for, should be. For the drivers. There absolutely I mean, should be. These drivers are essentially caretakers for, for the length of that drive. Yeah. Uh, and they need to be trained accordingly.
2: Well, I mean, <clears> it, <throat> it, you, you've got to ask, is it even appropriate to to put this guy into a taxi when you know that the driver's untrained? Yeah, you know y- yeah that sure. that transit commission is is really doing some inappropriate things yeah
0: okay, but yeah. we've also seen reports of our own transit service who gets maybe 15 20 minutes of you know disability talk and then boom, they're out in the bus in the public yeah. working with people with disabilities. Yeah, they're yeah. not being trained either no it's just could happen anywhere yeah you know. yeah it could
1: well and you think about you know if if anybody starts to have any sort of an issue, uh, during that drive, whether it's it's a medical issue, it's a medical emergency, it's a seizure, it's who knows. I mean, you mm-hmm. you, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are going to fit in that um, disability category that are going to be using these services. Um, you, there there has to be some sort of training on site. Uh, well, and the drivers the drivers are, are just like anybody else who's yeah. who's you know in that. Um, you know, who's, who's in a caretaker position, even though it's only at the, for the length of the drive, that's who's on site and that, mm-hmm. who, then they need the training. You know, in, in this particular situation, had the driver had training, I don't know if it would have done any good. I mean, you can't necessarily look at somebody and just know that they're going to actually do this. I mean, I think that in this particular situation, the, obviously the solution would have been for these two people not to be in the cab together, this guy should have been solo riding solo and that's it. And, you know, again, this is where the budget concerns come up with because then you have to do a completely separate run just for this guy. Um, but you know, I, I think Steve's right. I think that in, in cases like this, that's the only solution budget be damned.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a, a it's a public service. So the public is paying for this through taxes. So is the medical system in, uh, in Quebec. Yeah. So it just came out of a different part of the budget when things went sideways. Right. So, yeah. So take that, take that money and put it into the transit system yeah. so people can actually be safe.
1: Well, and it just makes you wonder, like, I don't know how, how often do things like this happen that we don't actually even end up hearing about? Like the fact that this woman was beaten so badly and that she was, you know, she's 92. So he could have easily killed her. Yeah. Um, the fact that she's sort of recovering okay. She, um, you know, she's, it's, it's a couple weeks out from the sounds of it and uh, she's, you know, improved quite a bit. Um, but I mean, how often does this happen? Uh, on a, on a regular basis in in transit systems across the country.
2: Well, we only we only hear about it in the most extreme cases. Yeah. You know, there was the guy out in Saskatchewan who cut off somebody's head with a samurai sword uh, on a on a Greyhound bus. Oh, geez. You know that was that was a number of years mm-hmm. ago. I remember that. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah.
0: Ugh. But so we, you know, even here locally, we hear on our news. You know, every, I won't say every month, but quite frequently. About, you know, people verbally attacking other people on the, on the trains, you know, and there's been physical altercations as well. So this is happening in everywhere all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Training, training, caution, common sense. Love your neighbor. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Be kind.
1: All right. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about Disney.
2: What about Disney?
1: So yeah, Disney has uh, partnered with a company in Windsor, Ontario to produce activity books for the blind.
0: Yay. Go Disney.
1: Go Windsor. Soon children with visual impairments across North America will get to see what Mickey Mouse looks like uh, thanks to the efforts of a couple in Windsor.
2: Wait, scroll, scroll up to the picture again. Oh yeah, I know these guys. I know these guys. Do you really? Yeah, I do. I've been at trade shows with them before.
1: Uh, Rebecca and Emmanuel Blavolt. Let's go with that. Apologies if I've butchered that. Uh, They run a company called Tactile Vision Graphics uh, in Windsor. They create greeting cards, maps, coloring books, uh, and other publications in Braille for the visually impaired. And from the sounds of it, Steve, you've had run-ins with these guys? So they've been around for quite a while?
2: Yeah, they've been around... For a number of years, I don't. I don't remember the last time I ran into him at a show. I'm trying to remember what show it was at that I ran into them at. But uh, I seem to recall I sold them a charger for something. Mm-hmm. It was uh, well, a long anyways, time ago.
1: so they. It looks like they approached the Disney Company about four years ago um, about producing a series of activity books for children based on Disney characters, and uh, it is now the agreement has been signed and they're currently designing the first book
0: so does it go into details about what the activity books like gonna let you do is it just a coloring book is it
1: well it's it's a you know a tactile picture book so you know all the the edges of course will be raised right Mm is tactile graphics but what really kind of shocks me is that this seems to be the first disney book that's been done this way but like tactile graphics has been a thing for a long time correct steve oh yeah Mm -hmm. um it's it's not a new concept at all nope and in fact is used quite a bit in the education realm yes you know diagrams if you think about diagrams and you think about charts
2: yeah i mean realistically this isn't the first time that a disney book book's been adapted with tactile graphics i'm sure but it's probably the first time it's it's been licensed (laughs) yes (laughs) exactly yeah
1: Um, but again, you know, it's an important story because it, you know, Disney's obviously a huge company and the fact that they're taking this step into mm-hmm. making uh, a product that's specifically accessible for their customers, it's important. You know, it's an important step for sure.
2: Yeah. And it's a great step for this company too because, oh God, you know, no the kidding. market, the potential market for that stuff is...
1: Uh, off the charts. Yeah, it's, it's enormous. They're, they're, I mean...
0: Well, the yeah. next time you go to, you know, make a proposal to another company and say, look, we've got Disney in our portfolio, you know. Yeah. Company B is going to go, well, where do I sign? Well, yeah. they've, you know?
1: they've, it says here they've got the license to publish materials for the for all of North America. Right. Which they estimate is a, a market of about 700,000 people and 10 times that in the U.S.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: 700,000 in Canada. Ten. What is that? What's so, 10 times 700? <laughs>
2: You really did flunk math, didn't you? (laughs) That would be about seven million. Yeah, look at that.
1: That's huge. That's huge for them. So good for them. Uh, But also good for Disney. Uh, I mean, I I think this is this is great news. This is um,
2: well. Two two things spring to mind. One, if if they have access to all Disney titles, does that include Marvel?
1: Ooh, yeah. That's a good point. I would. I don't know.
2: Yeah, tactile comic books. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, what was the other thing I was thinking about? Uh, oh, yeah, the other thing I was thinking about was, uh, you know, Netflix had a very similar deal to this with uh, with Disney. You know, they had all their uh, all their titles, and then Disney pulled it and started their own. So maybe, you know, two, three years down the road, these guys are going to have the rights yanked out from under them, and Disney will start their own tactile graphics department. <laughs> you never know. Listen,
1: if it becomes lucrative enough, I'm yeah. sure they will. But the the interesting part about the development of this is that I would think that the activity book itself um, wouldn't be that complicated to actually make, especially given that really all you need to to produce tactile graphics is just a, a specialized printer. Right. And the right type of paper.
0: No, I think it depends on on. What do you think? What that, it is they're doing? Are they doing line drawings?
2: Are they doing you know raised drawings? Yeah, it's hard hard to know unless what you're looking at a specific book and yeah. and what their plans are for it. But yeah, no, I I, I think uh, a, a lot of what a lot of what those guys do is probably quite manual, right? You know, because you, you, you would have to approach everything page by page. So do you think it would be like swell touch or, or braille tactile?
1: I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay, to well, get them on the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we can ask them that if we can get them on the show. Yeah, but I don't know. They're they're going to be busy. That's. <laughs> They'll
0: be hiring. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I mean that that must be great for them. Oh, I mean, for it sure. sounds like they were just a small, you know, ma and pa operation. You know, husband and wife. Yep. Company, uh, that's a huge get to mm-hmm. get Disney. Like, look at this, this looks like, looks, this is like our old office. Look at that. They got like a microwave and like a little beer <laughs> fridge there. That's probably their lunchroom that she's working at. Like concrete, it's probably in the back of a warehouse somewhere. Yep. Steve, why didn't you get us Disney? Go get us Disney. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian assistive technology?
2: Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, Assistive Technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture. You name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com.
1: Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. (laughs) 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 Woo! (laughs) Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to
0: can Tech. Um, We do the repairs on uh, low-vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines, uh, for libraries, braille printers and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Joining us today is Ted Drake, the Principal Engineer of Accessibility at Intuit. Good morning, Mr. Drake.
3: Hey there, this is Ted.
0: Hey, Ted, this is Ryan. All right, so Ted, joining us today in the room here is Mr. Barclay.
3: Hello there.
2: Hello.
0: First name, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. What's... Okay. And we have Mr. Banterer over here, Mr. Rob Minot.
1: Uh Hello. Hello.
0: It's Monday. I think Rob's kind of ed- edgy, itchy.
1: Uh, am I? <laughs> Why? He <laughs> seems a little, I don't know, get up and go-ish this morning. <laughs> I am? I, I'm, I'm always Mr. Business. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep these guys in line, let me tell uh, you.
3: Yeah. I, uh, I typically listen to you guys at one and a half speed. So <laughs> how slow you would sound, you know. Oui. It's like when someone has a screen reader and you ask them to turn down the speed, uh, it sounds funky. Yep. Hey, i got a question for you. I saw, I was looking at one of your videos, it was a promotion for the assistive technology company. And someone was messing with a theremin or something like that. Was that actually a theremin I saw? It had these, it looked like a flat device with three uh, panels sticking up in the air. And oh, no, that, your hand.
2: that's a, um, uh, a Beams. Oh, right. The Beams, yes. Yeah. It's a music therapy device.
3: It is a music therapy, so it, it is acting similar to a
2: well, not, no. not, not really, because it, it's, uh, it's got four lasers on it. When you break the lasers, it, it'll, it'll play whatever sound you've got assigned to it. Um, okay. But uh, it doesn't have the variation that a theremin has.
3: We have a park in um, Palo Alto, and it has an archway um, with lasers. And as you walk through the archway, it plays uh, tones. So wow. The tones are set up so they're also randomized. So every day you go there and you do the same dance maneuver, it's going to sound slightly different.
2: Cool, cool. Road
1: trip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, being Mister Business, I guess I better get this party started. So yeah, officially. come on. So, uh, Mister Podcaster, <laughs> he's a podcaster. I, everybody's this week? a Mister this morning. I don't know what happened. Was we, tr- we came in. We came into the studio. Ryan's got us chocolate croissants here, which never happens, <laughs> and he's calling everybody Mister. So. Not really sure if an alien has inhabited Ryan's body or something. I, I'm not sure what's going on, but, uh, you know, listen, and hey, in any case, uh, thanks so much for, uh, for taking some time and joining us today.
3: Sure. You're welcome. I'm, I'm excited to do it.
1: Um, well, listen, why don't we start out uh, telling us a little bit about, uh, a little background about uh, Intuit about the company in general and just what type of products you guys um, are making. And then from there, we'll dive into sort of the accessibility pool from there.
3: Okay. Um, uh, Intuit is a financial software, essentially, company. It started back in the days of DOS, um, 30-plus years ago, I can't remember. Uh, It was basically started by uh, a husband and wife who were trying to balance their checkbooks. And it was a mess. And he thought there's got to be a better way. So he created a spreadsheet and then kept working on it until it became Quicken. That was the foundation for Intuit. Uh, Over the years, Intuit has expanded into uh, QuickBooks for small businesses, Mint for personal finance and TurboTax for publishing uh, your, your tax returns. There's been a few other products off and on, but that's essentially what the business is. How do people file their taxes and how do they run their businesses and understand their personal finances? One thing that kept uh, Intuit separate from most companies is that there is an extreme focus on customers. Right. Uh, This started back in the days of Quicken where they would hang out in software stores. And they would watch people buy their product. And then they would go up to them and ask them if they could follow them home and watch them install the product.
2: That's not creepy at all. <laughs>
3: <No>. <laughs> but that, that helped them figure out what was working and what wasn't working. And that's sort of been the basis of how we do stuff it into it. We're constantly working with customers. Uh, we don't build something and then find a customer. We find customers, find out what's difficult for them. And then find solutions for that, and that's how the products develop.
1: So now, in terms of accessibility, has has the accessibility component of of the software packages always been a, a very key component of of the company?
3: I can't really speak for when before I arrived at into it. I don't really know all of the history of it. Of course, Enough. it worked when it was DOS. Um, and then windows switched to windows and there were a lot of problems in the early days because we started building software before microsoft had uh, a true accessibility api right Um, we've had to work with that over the last few years trying to solve old old pages and quickbooks desktop with the help of my blind spot and the queue we've gotten that to the point now where quickbooks desktop is accessible but we had to go back and modify code that hadn't been touched in 25 years. Uh, And and then the online products has been a journey, um, up and down, (laughs) you know, that's how things go. We change stuff constantly, but I've been at Intuit for seven years, and uh, there's been some pretty dramatic improvements for accessibility.
1: Well, I'm sure, I mean, just given that that, uh, Microsoft has taken some pretty huge steps in the past, I would say even five years um, in terms of accessibility, um ha- have you found that that developing for windows has just you know improved dramatically over that time
3: For mo- if i were building a brand new windows product yes um but when you're building a product that has 30 years of mm. code uh some new some old some middle you're ending up with a mixture of code and so you have to go back in and figure out for this vintage of code what's the best way of fixing it um So new stuff, you know, if you're building iOS, you're building Android, you're building Windows, and you're building with uh, standard components, things are really easy.
1: So for all the new kids on the block, it's great. But for for all you you old guys, uh, (laughs) it's a little bit more challenging, I guess is what you're saying.
3: It is. It's challenging for desktop applications that are old. Uh, and, and they're old, uh, not to say that we don't update them. We're constantly updating them. It's just that some of the foundations are old. But we've been able to work with uh, with QuickBooks Desktop. We've been able to work with JavaScripting, scripting um, and then fixing the fundamental uh, foundation of the product. The JavaScripting helps that final mile where we have a button, we know what it is, we know the state, it's clickable, but we're not exactly sure what the label is. So the JavaScripting helps with the labeling.
0: Right. And so where is the accessibility level at now with some of the other applications like the QuickBooks Online, the app for smartphones, TurboTax?
3: Typically, our phone apps are really good because we use standard components for the most part. Uh, We don't build a we're accounting software, so we don't have spinners and widgets and and strange game type functionality. Uh, So our phone apps typically work great. Um, Some of the standouts are payroll, it's deductible, uh, TurboTax, um, QuickBooks Self-Employed. And then uh, the online, uh, we're constantly working on online. Some of them work great, like TurboTax online works really well. QuickBooks online, we're constantly updating. I think we do, we fix about... I think in the last month we fixed about 30 bugs for accessibility. Um, but uh, those could be small, those could be big, but we're constantly fixing that. We've also been working on how do you build a new platform for the future of QuickBooks and the future of Intuit. And that new platform was designed to be accessible from the very beginning. So mm-hmm. the design, the engineering, the testing, and the integration are all accessible.
1: Yay, Universal Design! Yay. <laughs> where,
3: where does this
2: uh, Where does this focus on uh, accessibility originate from? Like, what 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 is it in the company that's driving this this accessibility push?
3: I have a unique position at into it in that I don't have to justify um, return on investment it's not a financial thing. I've worked for other companies and I know other people that work for companies where you have to say if we invest this in accessibility, then we have these new openings. And into it goes back to the customer experience. So uh, whenever I find an issue, um, I just show them how it's affecting the customer. Um, that's the key thing.
1: Yeah, because I will say it's it seems fairly rare, especially for a, for a software company that's um, you know that has you know sort of two main packages. Um, there's not a lot of other software companies that would that would put the resources uh, into accessibility that that Intuit does. So. Um yeah, it's it's I mean, and that's that's really one of the reasons why that we we wanted to talk to you specifically. Um, well, and we use QuickBooks, so I have a list, Ted. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, I hope you don't have any. Af- upline, but,
3: upline, yeah, absolutely. yeah, he's. he's he,
1: yeah, I hope I hope your afternoon is clear. <laughs> I,
3: I mean, QuickBooks Online is 100 percent accessible. There are areas where we need help uh, knowing what are the key pain points. And we work with a number of uh, blind entrepreneurs that are constantly giving us feedback.
0: Well, well Steve's the entrepreneur. I'm just his grunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mr.
1: Entre- it's Mr. Grunt
0: to you, right. um, <laughs> senior,
1: senior Grunt. <laughs> just a loud grunt. Yep. Um, is it? Is it a? Ch- because really. You guys are sort of, you have, it seems to me, three different platforms that you're, that you're developing on. You've got sort of a, a desktop package. Uh, you've got an online component that's an offshoot of that. And then you've got a completely mobile platform that you also develop for. Is that a real challenge for you guys, especially in terms of making sure that each of those components are accessible? And is any of those platforms sort of easier to juggle than, than the others in terms of accessibility?
3: The um, I, I kind of look at it as two platforms, um, desktop and then online, um, mainly because desktop you have a completely different uh, production schedule. You have to worry about deadlines, a so waterfall. You have to finish things, then it goes to CD, and then there's releases. Whereas online we're constantly releasing and the online component and the mobile components are very closely integrated. Okay. So with QuickBooks, or you can go from the mobile phone to the online and back and forth and the data is integrated. Same thing with TurboTax. Online is really easy because we use standard iOS and Android components. Um, and those typically work out of the box.
1: Now, you you talked a little bit about uh, Jaws, like working with Jaws scripting languages um, and the software. Um, You know, and Jaws has definitely been a a sort of a mainstay and a staple in terms of screen readers in the past. But these days, um, Microsoft Narrator has has really made some leaps and bounds in terms of uh, its usability. Have you found that from a, from a, the development side? Have you found that you can do a little bit more with the software and Narrator than you had in the past?
3: I'd throw in
0: we, NVDA in there as well.
3: Yeah, I would say that, to be honest, we don't test that often with Narrator. We test with NVDA and VoiceOver. Okay. And the reason why is that um, typically if it works in NVDA and VoiceOver, it usually works in JAWS. Uh, And probably with Narrator, whereas if you only test in JAWS, it's going to fix stuff that you didn't know was broken. Um, But all of our developers are taught how to use VoiceOver because we all work on Macs. Um, And then we have Windows machines available for testing. It's just uh, Windows machines are a little bit difficult to run on a Mac, so we want them to know how to use VoiceOver.
0: So as a blind user um, that I am using QuickBooks Online, what would be the best, I guess, solution or the best configuration? Is it JAWS and Chrome? Is it NVDA and Firefox?
3: I've, most people I know are using NVDA plus Chrome. Um, the easiest is going to be the mobile app. However, it's not easy to type a lot in a mobile app. Right. So possibly NVDA plus Chrome. Uh, might be your best. Uh, Chrome had a problem with data tables, but they've been working on that. Um, Chrome with uh, TalkBack, I should say, in Chromebox. And I think the data tables are working a lot better now.
1: So it seems to me that it's got to be a real challenge when you're developing, because you've got so many balls in the air that you have to take note of. I mean, you have to to know what, what Chrome is up to. You have to know what Firefox is up to. You have to know what JAWS is up to. All these different platforms, all these different browsers, and all these different operating systems... How do you manage all that?
3: <laughs> that's uh, that's why um, uh, we go. We're trying to standardize everything. We're trying to build components that are work from the very start, so that the developers don't have to think about it. They just know I need to use a uh, a select menu. Here's how I do it, and let's let's avoid having fifty different select menus. Let's just have one, and then we can concentrate on making that one accessible. So it it goes back to trying to. You know, if you're if you're using a standard HTML select menu, it's going to work. Right. Okay. Uh, And that's where we're trying to go back to is how can we make it as standard as possible?
1: So thank God for industry standards. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, as developers, I mean, do you often like do you sometimes be like, okay, great, we've got this working. And then two days later. Chrome comes out with a new version and breaks everything, and you are like, "Oh shit!"
3: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> there's definitely. And, and sometimes it's we got something working, and then there is a regression, and something's no longer working, so we have to go back, saying, "How did you break that?"
1: <laughs> and are the like are the, are the different like browsers and and you know Microsoft and everybody are they are they fairly open with with developers? Like, is the, is the, are the lines of communication? really open like if you can just go to firefox and be like hey this was working now it's not can you tell us what you did
3: it, it, they would be for the most part apple is always kind of closed you have to go to their apple accessibility and mailing list uh chrome i know the people at google um firefox you've got marco um you pretty it, accessibility is a f- part of the industry that's open right um, I could go over to Facebook, which is you know a few miles away, and talk to the team over at Facebook if I wanted. We don't we don't hide stuff from each other. Everybody right. in the in the Bay Area, we're always sharing information and solutions. I was just talking to someone here at Intuit who's working on a data visualization uh, using sound and haptic, and first thing I said was I got to get you down to Yahoo to talk to them because they're doing something similar.
1: Now, uh, getting a little bit off topic, because uh, I was reading your bio, and I was, kind of, uh, I was kind of fascinated with your bio, and I want to ask you a few things about that, um, because you've, you've been in the accessibility field for quite a while. Um, how, how did that all start?
3: I studied fine art um, in college, and I knew that I, when I graduated, I could probably get a job at an uh, art store. So I started teaching myself web development. <clears throat> and then I got into the Museum of Art in San Diego, and the website manager left. So I said, hey, I can do this. And uh, that's how I got into accessibility is that working for a museum, you had to make it accessible. Right. This was back in the old days, and I was writing some really bad code. So <laughs> I, I learned a lot, and then I moved on and on. And I got into standards-based web development, which was essentially saying, forget all the stuff that we were doing. Let's go back to the way it's supposed to be done um, and that included a lot of accessibility and uh, so i just moved up and up and uh, i got a call from yahoo and I, I worked for yahoo for seven years as an engineer um, and i ca- i helped co-found yahoo's accessibility stakeholders group right. which was essentially a volunteer group of engineers working on accessibility across the company and that eventually became the yahoo accessibility lab um, which was, became quite well known, um, and then I moved on from Yahoo to into it. it. For me, it was always a matter of how do you do it correctly? How do you have pride in your code? How do you make sure that you're doing the best job possible? And then seeing the impact um, of you know building something and then watching somebody be able to check their bank account for the first time, or file their own taxes for the first time, um, run a business. I think that's why I like Intuit so much is when we make something accessible, it has a, a significant impact on the user's life.
1: Well, and given that you've been in the field for so long, um, you know, you have one of these unique perspectives that, you know, the past 20 years has has really, really been, the changes have been pretty significant. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah that's true. It's, it's become, at least from a technology standpoint, it's become democratized it's no longer expensive. Um, you, even, you had an interview on recently with Iris I, and to build a virtual reality set 10 years ago would have been yeah. uh, too expensive. Yeah. But now you have companies that can quickly adopt technology that's inexpensive and start new companies. It reminded me of, uh, when you were talking to him it reminded me of when iPads came out, and Lakota Go came out with uh, uh, augmented speech software. Right, yeah. Which was great, but it didn't solve the specific needs of many people. So then you had all of these people who had never programmed before that were building AAC apps for their child, um, and it was easy. Uh, you no longer had to learn a complex language you could do stuff on a cheap device i think amazon's fire tablet where you can get a android tablet for 50 bucks and that is essentially a handheld assistive technology device
1: right well even you know we we, we talk all the time probably too much if you ask some of our audience but we talk all the time about things like digital assistance mm-hmm. um, And for for the very same reason, I mean, it's a you know, sure, it's a mainstream device. It's it's great, Um, but at the same time, it it is a a relatively powerful uh, piece of assistive technology if if utilized correctly and if you know and if the right developers develop for it, Um, you know, and and smartphones, smart devices, you know, they certainly did change the industry as well.
3: Well, also. One of the things I like about the home devices like the Google Mini is that we don't know what they're going to do. I look at the Apple Watch, and Apple Watch came out with a fault detection. Now, they probably were able to create that fault detection because they had so much data um, about movements. Now, what happens if they're able to continue evaluating all that data and they're able to come up with a way for the watch to detect if someone's got uh, uh, about to go into a diabetic shock yep. or if someone has um, depression and they're about to go into a, something, uh, you know, That's who right. knows what we can learn from a heartbeat yep. and movement and then analyzed over millions of people. You'll have these devices that just keep getting better and better.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the Apple Watch is another great example of that. I mean, what what really gets us excited? I think. Well, maybe I shouldn't talk talk for these two guys because <laughs> it could be completely different. But what gets me excited is when these mainstream devices um, come out and people don't even realize what they have in terms of this is this is going to be an amazing platform for for a piece of AT going forward. And all it really takes is is the right developer to take that platform and to run with it. And I think the Apple Watch is, is another great example of that. When it first came out, um, you know, it made a mild splash, but not much. People thought it was a gimmick. But, um, for example, there's a, a company called uh, Resound that develops um, a hearing aid for the apple well i guess i don't know if it's for the apple watch but it it, it will tie it into the apple with the watch, apple watch yeah. um that's that's life-changing for a, for a lot of people uh it works amazing and you know uh, somebody on the street wouldn't have looked at an apple watch and, and thought oh hey this is this would be perfect for for uh, for a hearing aid app so yeah it's it's exciting
3: i just uh i have a friend who um uh he needed a hearing aid but you know as many people that need hearing aids when they get older they don't want to acknowledge it (laughs) so i showed him my airpods i took my airpods off let him wear them and i turned on the um, remote microphone on my phone so he could try it out for the first time and that afternoon he went to the apple store and bought some airpods
1: (laughs) yeah right so um yeah it, it is an incredible time for at right now merely based on the technology that's that's coming out uh on a daily basis and you know especially you know ces was just uh a few weeks ago and um some of the uh some of the stuff that was announced out of that um was pretty impressive i mean okay yeah the intelligent toilet's neat but (laughs) that's not going to change anybody's life but but you know for example there they there was an announcement of um of the new um, HTC Vive um, VR goggles that now have eye tracking built into them,
2: Oh. Uh-huh.
1: right? Like the old Google Glass. That's right. Um, so that could have you know huge potential um, for AT, and because because of course eye tracking has been a you know a piece a part of assistive technology for quite a while with with eye tracking systems and on-screen keyboards and such. Um, but I mean, you know, the, you know, again, the, 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 manufacturers are sort of building that in, in order to combat, um, motion sickness yeah. when people are gaming. But, you know, again, it has this huge, uh, potential for, for so much other stuff down the road. So
3: there's a, um, there's a conference that Intuit sponsors. Uh, we sponsor the best paper awards for the web for all conference this is an annual conference for accessibility research and the winner last year was a paper that showed uh, they used eye tracking of search result pages and they had an 88 oh, wow. percent, i think was the success rate of detecting when someone had autism really by looking at how uh, by eye tracking so they would the way that this started was they wanted to see what barriers there were on the web for people with autism So they had a control group. They looked at search result pages. They looked at people who have autism looking at their search result pages, and they came up with some ideas. Then they looked at that data and say, I wonder if we can reverse engineer this. Can we come up with patterns that say, can we differentiate between the people with autism and the control group? And they came up with the patterns, then they ran it against another set of uh, 20 people. And they were able to quickly detect which people had autism because the they tend to scatter around the page. They don't look linear. They they want to find something, but they get distracted with their eyes. So imagine having a uh, virtual reality where you put on the goggles for, uh, you know, a a five year old or a six year old and to be able to get that early detection. Right. uh, Autism detection, autism uh, what do you call it? Uh, to be able to say someone has autism is not an easy right. analysis. Yeah. it's expensive and time-consuming. This could be great in India or Asia or Africa or That's even right. you know communities that have one or two doctors. In them. I'm a big fan of anonymous data. I I kind of taught myself how to be an engineer, and a lot of that was by hacking with data that I could get online from different APIs a couple things that I was thinking about uh, this was several years ago I never built it but you have maps and you know the location of a store but how does a person that's blind know where the entrance is to the store but if we had heat maps of people carrying phones you could actually look at the outside of a building and know where the entrance was because all those phones would be going into a single spot right uh, we did something at QuickBooks, which I think is really, really interesting. It's not available in Canada as far as I know, but it is available in the United States is that we looked at the millions and millions of companies and we came up with a credit score approach for how likely is a company to pay back a loan on time and effectively. Hmm. And once we understood what what are the factors of that, we then created something called QuickBooks Capital, where we provide low interest, uh, low, small loans for short periods of time, pay, and you only pay the uh, the market interest. There's no fees. And what we're finding is that the people that get these loans, I think it was something like 50 percent of them had never gotten a loan before, because on paper, if they go into uh, a bank, ask for a loan. They don't look like a safe uh, bet for that bank. But when QuickBooks looks at it, we're able to see the combination of multiple factors in their account and say, yes, you do deserve a loan. Uh, And I think this is particularly important for people with disabilities because it removes the, the unconscious biases and focuses on their company, their self employment, and, and how likely are they to pay back those loans? And we've had a really, really good success rate with people hmm. paying back those loans. So it could be that you're going to an AT conference and you want to, uh, you need to increase your uh, inventory. So you get a $20,000 loan, buy that inventory, go to your AT conferences, and then you're able to pay back that loan in three months, right. uh, paying only the market interest. But that's something that's powered by big data, big data that's anonymous. We're not looking at Joe Schmo. We're looking at a million different users. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, ter- in terms of, you know, private citizen, uh, I, I you know, I think I think anonymous data like that is is excellent. I mean, I, I think that we need it. I, I think that in order to move forward, you know, both both medically and, you know, genetically even, uh, you know, I know that there's. I don't know i I still i still kind of cringe a little bit with these these dna kits that you get sent you know like (laughs) ancestry and stuff i like i don't know if i would do that to be honest
3: i can tell you i've done a dna analysis for health reasons but not for ancestry
1: it just feels too i don't know i just don't know who's who's who i'm who am i giving my skin cells to i don't know (laughs) it's true i don't want a clone popping up in 20 years yeah, we don't want that either. <laughs> oh, Touche. Ryan just waiting for his opportunity the whole podcast. I'm just thinking
2: it's so arrogant. Like, oh, yeah, people are going to want to clone me the minute they get my <laughs> That's DNA. Right. That's right.
0: <laughs> I'm so sexy for
2: it. <laughs> oh, I'll leave that one alone. Yeah, please do. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, I can just see him at Ancestry, Barclay. Oh, burn this one! <laughs> <laughs> burn <it.
0: laughs> well, I was just to say we know over the past year, ira has been making inroads into airports, hotels, cities across America, and we have people in Canada who are ex- explorers now using the service. And IRA's, you know, been entering into the market, creating partnerships with different companies. And now Intuit seems to be a partner with IRA. So, Ted, can you explain a little bit about that partnership?
3: Um, first off, I'll, I'll say that I first met uh, Sumon, the head of IRA, about four years ago. Uh, it was at an NFB conference, and he had just left Intuit. He, uh, one of the things is that most of IRA's leadership is from Intuit. Um, oh, really? And engineers and stuff. Hmm. Hmm. Um, he had just left into it and, and Michael Hanks introduced me and, and Suman was talking about this project he was working on. And to me, I thought, Oh, this is like science fiction. <laughs> right. This is not going to work. Um, but I watched, I watched the work that he was doing over the years and it was getting to the point where I thought, okay, this is really one of the things I liked about Aira is It's not about the technology. And I noticed that from the very beginning, it was not about the glasses. It was about what they were doing in the back end. Um, it was about the way that they were bringing people's data together. So if you were an explorer and you wanted them to have access to your Starbucks account or your email or your, whatever you wanted them to have access to, they could use that information to better help someone. And Intuit changed their mission statement. I think it was in 2017. And our mission statement is uh, powering prosperity around the globe. And hmm. this just seemed like the perfect opportunity for us to partnership with, with Ira is to power prosperity. And what that means is we want people, with, uh, people that are blind and have low vision to start businesses. To If they already have businesses, we want you to be able to expand them, to hire more people, to become more prosperous, because as that happens, you're going to be able to hire more people. And as you hire more people hopefully the unemployment rate is going to drop for people with disabilities so we went to ira and ira originally said we can do you know a form of customer care i said we don't want customer care um that's why we made it open to any small business owner any self-employed individual you don't have to be using our products um you just need to be able to use Ira to help you complete the tasks that you need in order to run your business. So we're seeing people that are using it to to sign PDF documents, to sort invoices, to check their inventory, to uh, look at their clothing before they go for an interview. Um, There are also people using it to use our products, and then hopefully we can get better feedback as to this is a screen they were stuck on. And this is the help they needed to get past that screen. Um, it's been really nice so far. Uh, we've had a great up, uh, uptick in, in how people have used the Ira product in order to build their businesses.
0: So I did notice you had asked me to install the app and take a look at it to see if the promotional offer was here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so when I installed the app this morning, under the promotions and business, like you mentioned, was the QuickBooks partnership. So what kind of a a call with Ira and, you know, an explorer using QuickBooks look like.
3: You can use the glasses, but it's, you have to do it first with the app. So essentially uh, you would open up the app, you would choose the call Ira with free promotions. I can't remember the exact wording Mm -hmm. Um, that takes you to a screen with a bunch of different promotions. One of the promotions is for uh, small businesses. And under products, there is one for QuickBooks. So Hmm. if you're trying to use QuickBooks, it's better to use that one. It just gives us better, um, helps us understand where there are just two channels. It's anonymous data, but at least we know like X amount of minutes went to this and X amount of minutes went to that. But otherwise you, you open it up, you start talking with an agent and they help you do whatever you need to do. I'm not an IRA. Obviously, I'm not an IRA product person, so it's hard for me to describe the step by step. I've used it myself, um, but an IRA person can tell you uh, how the initial interaction works.
0: Right, but an IRA agent wouldn't necessarily be trained on QuickBooks. They'd be able just to tell you kind of where you are on the screen. Right, so...
3: and that's what all we want them to do. Right. IRA is meant to be a visual assistant. Right, right? they're not meant to be your accountant. Right. So, you you need to tell QuickBooks, I'm trying to do this, um, or I'm trying to, this is a task I need to complete, and the IRA people will help you complete that task. Right. But they're not QuickBooks um, customer support.
0: Right. And are there plans to expand that partnership to TurboTax?
3: There are plans uh, we're working on. Um, I've got a meeting uh, next week with some of the people in TurboTax. Uh, TurboTax also has a product that we're launching this year called TurboTax Live. So it might get a little bit confusing, but TurboTax Live is where you're in the middle of your tax process and you have a question about uh, a deduction or a form. And uh, accountants will come on. They can look at your screen. Oh, wow. uh, you can look at the accountant. Um, you can talk to them. Um, We've also tested this with um, uh, one of my colleagues is deaf. And so she's done this to make sure that it works with the video relay service. Hmm. That is an account helping you do your taxes, right? If I were worked with TurboTax, it would be more like I need to take a picture of this W2 form or um, help me understand what this is or that is. But it would not be the same as our TurboTax live product, right?
1: Sorry, now my mind is just is just reeling from the thought I just had while, while you guys were talking, I, I just had this idea of like, what happens when something like smart glasses just become ubiquitous ar- across, you know, across everything? Like we just you, it's just something that you wear on a daily basis. It, it takes sort of it's the next evolution of, say, smart devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, just think of all the different services on a daily basis that just everybody could something something like Mass, Ira music, except Ira,
0: GPS. Except
1: uh, yeah, it could literally be be anything. Um, directions. Yeah, directions. You could just you, if you're lost, you could just you know call. I think
3: I think the movie Her does a pretty good job. <laughs> yes. Of thinking about that, I also like the idea of getting away from glasses. Um, think about your ear. You could have something like an AirPod that has a camera attached to it. Oh. The ear does just as good of a job as putting a camera in the middle of your eye That's or on the side of your face.
2: Especially uh, for bold guys like us.
3: <laughs> and then even Ira has like a little pouch so you can put your phone in a pouch and All hang right. it from your uh, neck, just right. like uh, Google. Uh, yep. What's that new Google thing coming up? I can't remember. Lookout? I it? Duplex, but Duplex. No, uh, like uh,
1: I think you're thinking of Lookout.
3: Look out,
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well, it's true. I mean, look at one of the, the big pushback against the Google Glass was uh, the fact that it just looked odd. Like when you wore it, it, it was just obvious that you're wearing some sort of a weird smart mm-hmm. device. So I think you're right. I think that that's probably the direction it will go, is it'll be something that's very subtle that it doesn't necessarily stick out, like a front-facing camera in the, in the middle of your forehead.
3: I think Instagram did a good job with their... Sunglasses, You don't even notice that they're got a camera on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible. And so, you know, the next five years, I think that there's there's definitely going to be an evolution of something. It's just a, a matter of uh, what direction it's going to go. But, you know, I, you know, I even think of travelers like how how amazing would it be? To be able to have a, a device like that on, and you'd never be lost, even even in a foreign city. Well, I mean, you're not now because I mean, there's stuff like Google Maps, but but translation services. Um, well, and some of the stuff like you say, translation services is already there.
0: You know, Google Translate, Microsoft Translator. You that's know, they'll true. translate yeah, on that's the fly, true. right? So
1: but then we get into like stuff like uh, sign language interpretation yep. um, you know again that's a something accessibility problem that could certainly be solved with with the even with the existing technology it's just a just in matter of putting it into the right package yep
3: i think the hard sign language is one of the uh, people have been trying to create sign language interpreters forever i remember i was at an event in uh, Romania when Yahoo used to host hackathons and right. the, uh, the Microsoft game that you would stand in front of, I can't remember the name of that gaming thing. Someone at that hackathon built a sign language interpreter. That's right. The, but the problem is sign language is so complex. It's not just fingers, it's not just hand movements, it's also the face. Yeah. And I would like to see something that incorporates video relay service more intelligently. Rather than trying to interpret the finger gestures, how do you get a video relay service to work uh, seamlessly without having to hold your phone and look at it or something like that? Hmm.
1: Yeah, well, there definitely are products. Uh, I mean, I think we talked about one or two on the show in the past few months. Yeah, there was uh, a guy who was working on sign language translation using an
0: Amazon show i think it was yes the, yeah the yeah so a screen on it and.
1: so i and i guess you know the the camera you know uses a combination i think of of the hand the hand movements as well as as trying to read the lips and i and i think sort of uses both it, in order to come up with the best results i i'm sure it's not perfect but you know it's certainly something that's that's being worked on and and uh yeah, it's it's. I, I'm telling you, it's. I keep saying this, but I'm going to say this every year. It's it's an exciting time for AT right now.
3: One of the challenges when I work with engineers that want to hack on something is I tell them to try coming up with a solution for short-term memory loss.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Because that's something that people don't think about very often. But if you, it's a lot of times when we engineered. We would engineer websites to work with a screen reader, because if you can work it for a screen reader, it works for a lot of different stuff. But I think if you come up with a solution that works for someone with short-term memory loss, it would also apply for many other people. um, Because it's basically translations, it's reminding, it's task management. There's a lot of different aspects for it, so that's what I usually tell people to think about
2: yeah, I'm just trying to think of what that would look like. i've I've got a father-in-law with Parkinson's, and he's experiencing uh, the dementia related to it. And along with that short-term memory loss, he asks the same question, you know, mm-hmm. five times in an hour. right. And uh, yeah, hmm. interesting just needs a little heads-up display that says, you asked that already, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the good thing about um, Alexa and Siri and Cortana is that you can ask them the same question over and over and over and over.
1: And they don't get annoyed. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, by the way, has he tried the Lift spoon? Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Uh, it's, it's amazing. You can get it on Amazon, and it's part of Google. And it's a spoon that um, counteracts the shaking of the hand. Oh, so really? oh. a person with Parkinson's can eat cereal without any kind of uh, assistance.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, and it a...
3: keeps the spoon steady. They also have one for people with cerebral palsy who might have their arm in, in unusual angles. And it is able to keep the spoon level. But it's available on Amazon. It's not that expensive. And it's really, really good.
2: I'm looking right now.
3: doesn't work for people that have unpredictable tremors, but for Parkinson's it worked. It was tested. It was actually built around, uh, there was a Stanford student that was doing some work with Parkinson's patients.
0: Yeah, I was looking into utensils for my wife's uncle who has familiar fami- familiar fami- Fam- familial? familial tremors. Uh, it's not, not Parkinson's, and yeah, he shakes all the time too, and so we've been looking at stuff like, I think we looked at the lift. I think there's a company called Level, where Liftware that does utensils as yeah, well, Liftwear. and Liftware. yeah.
3: And I think Level is their uh, one for people's cerebral palsy. Okay. Well, we were going to talk about it and QuickBooks, but it's been a great discussion about everything else. We we got uh, <laughs> we got sidetracked. That's, I don't that's mind, our, I really don't mind.
1: That's our uh, modus operandi around here. <laughs>
3: Um, I will say that uh, TurboTax in Canada, this year we're in the process of changing the uh, technology, powering TurboTax online. Um, it's going to be different this year. I think it's going to be much better. We're basically replacing the older Canadian tax platform with the platform from the United States. Um, it's uh, it's more modern. It has better uh Use of ARIA, so you'll know when inputs are required, you'll know when they're invalid. Uh, better HTML. Great. The Canadian product was great, but um, it was it was an old platform. It was ready to be replaced. So I'm going to be up in Canada in the warmest periods. I'm in Edmonton at the end of this month and then Toronto, the beginning of next month, just to kind of go through and, and make sure that the TurboTax online product is solid. Wait, you're going to be in Edmonton? When I was up there in September. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I always go up to Edmonton in the dead of winters Yeah, it's
2: that's, fun. yeah. Pack your mittens. And
3: I, I was born and raised in Southern California, so the only time I get below freezing is when I visit Edmonton. And-
1: <laughs> I don't know. I was going to make an Edmonton joke, but uh, now forget it. It's okay.
3: <laughs> they they rate themselves.
2: Calgary. <laughs> no, no, Ryan's from Red Deer, though. Okay, <laughs>
3: Close I think enough. I've been to Red Deer.
2: <clears throat> Probably.
3: Earth's is that Earth. where there's an auto museum, like a tractor and auto museum?
0: Mm, uh, that I'm not sure. How bad that sounds? <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's sure.
0: Smack dab in the middle between Edmonton and Calgary, That's right. so I'm not actually not I tend sure to about visit the museum. Strange museums.
1: Yeah. I think I don't. They have the gun rack museum in in Red Deer. Oh, or is do they? The, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, so, where can people find uh Intuit online if they're so in- interested in one of the software packages?
3: Uh, intuit.com. It's I N T U I T.com.
0: And is there a place on that website where people, if they have any accessibility questions, can can pose them?
3: um I would love to say yes, but we're working on that. Okay. Okay. We do have it in, I'm sorry, I should say I'm talking U.S. Uh, it's intuit.ca. Okay. And in intuit.ca, we do have an accessibility statement because of uh, we're completely compliant with AODA. Excellent. All right. And there are feedback mechanisms on that page, so you can send us feedback uh, via email.
0: Well, and I've got your personal email, so I'm going to share it with the world.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last thing I did want to mention, um, QuickBooks Self-Employed is a really great application, it's accessible, but essentially if you are self-employed, this is a really good application for, basically it does four things. It helps you separate your business and personal expenses, it tracks your mileage, even if you're a passenger in the car, it helps you send invoices, and um, it tells you how much taxes you owe Every quarter, so you can kind of estimate your taxes. Um, I've tried it with people that were deaf blind. I've tried it with people that were blind. Um, it's a really good application. It's about ten dollars a month, so it's very reasonable. Um, and if you if you like it so much the first time you use it, then you can buy it now, kind of thing. And it's only five dollars a month, from what I understand.
1: Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks again, Ted, for for joining us, and thanks for listening. Incidentally, we're not no. used to actually talking to people who have actually listened to the podcast. <laughs> so it was uh, we it have was a real treat.
3: I was going to make a joke about this not being the right Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, take, take care. care. Thanks. Bye.
1: That's uh, I I don't know. Part of me is really surprised at just how. Big of a component accessibility is to a software company that makes two products.
2: Well, it's nice to see. It, it I mean, is. It's, it's super, incredible. Super to nice see. to see, and it's nice to nice to hear that you know they're not they're not facing it with any kind of you know economic metrics, saying you know oh you've got to make this much yeah, money.
1: What's our rate of return yeah. on this?
0: Yeah.
2: On this.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, you don't hear of a lot of other products. Like over the years, I've looked at you know Sage, Simply Accounting, uh, and there's been nothing that is you know, really being accessible.
1: Well, look at our previous, you know, our previous life uh, yep. with a different accessibility uh, company. Uh, they used Simply Accounting, and I can't tell you how much of a pain in the neck that was to get um, it um, running with stuff like JAWS. Yeah. They, they had crap accessibility. Yep. So, uh, I mean... Uh, yeah, it, it is amazing to see. So, you know, and again, that's part of the reason why we, we reached out and wanted to talk to Ted. Not just because we use, we use Quicken. Well, let's give him plug. We use Quicken,
2: QuickBooks. Right? That's right. QuickBooks. Oh, sorry. Quickbooks. We use QuickBooks. Online. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons that I picked QuickBooks was because I, I heard it was accessible. And then, of course, I picked the one product that they have that wasn't.
3: <laughs> well, uh, uh, and we need, so.
0: you know we need to talk about that too because as ted mentioned uh, you know do it blind you know is there i guess partner who does their jaws scripting
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you know we've reached out to them i think a couple times and and i'm not sure where that ever ended up i think you know they were still working on it um, but you know like anything the web changes constantly and this is a work in progress
1: but, I mean, they've been nothing but, but helpful. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. Simply accounting, uh, you know, I, I remember specifically us reaching out to them for accessibility issues, and you just got nothing back.
2: Yeah, they, they didn't really know much about accessibility.
1: Right, so yeah. hopefully more companies are starting to, to take it more seriously. Um, you know, certainly accessibility these days is much more of a hot topic um, among developers and uh, and among companies uh, than it used to be ten years ago. But um, that being said, I don't know any other. Or I haven't heard of any many other software companies um, that are doing what what Intuit is doing. So, and he got the name right. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <I'm> professional. <laughs> I've been looking at these chocolate croissants the entire show.
0: Yeah, you know, I bring treats down, and you guys never eat any of them. Well, so, like, because we we're, we're, were talking about it. We're not going to, to <laughs> r- be like, Russell Russell Russell, 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 Russell. Yeah, Carl. why not? <laughs> it's not like we're live. <laughs> you can edit whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> munch, 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 munch. <laughs>
1: Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? ATbanter.com. Get me out of here. Uh, they can also email us if they so desire, ATbanterpodcast at gmail.com.
2: And hey, did you know that we're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram? I did. Oh, okay.
1: But some of these people who are listening probably don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what is it? What do I think it's uh, at ATbanter, uh, Facebook, and a, at AT underscore banter for our Twitter. All right, that's going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening in,
2: and we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324 for all your assistive technology servicing needs call chaos technical services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com music provided by bensound.com whoa look at that master of the one take